Welcome to an inspirational message from Creekwood Church. We hope that you have an encounter with God and discover practical ways to help you live a life of purpose. Well, we are in the final, final weekend of this series called Slaying Giants and super excited about sharing today about uh, this, this final giant that we're going to talk about today. But I do want to mention just a couple things. One is next weekend we're starting a brand new series and the series is on relationships and marriage. And I know a lot of times uh, when you talk about uh, the fact that we're doing a series uh, on relationship and marriage, a lot of singles want to automatically go, man, I'm not going to church the next couple of weeks. But how many of you know that, that if you're single, you need it? Don't you wish you would have known some things differently when you look back on your life? And so many of us were so clueless going into marriage, and the more that you can be prepared, and uh, even bigger than just marriage, relationships are so important. So we're excited about that. Relationship series are always a lot of fun around here, so we're, we're going to really um, look forward to that. I also want to just kind of give you an update. Um, a lot of you guys know that, that this past year our church uh, was able to purchase the new land on 1187. It's 108 acres that we've been talking about, and it's going to be our second campus. We're going to be, be uh, having two campuses. We're going to have a west and an east campus, and uh, it's been exciting seeing things uh, slowly move along. We, um, the, uh, the last few months, we've been working on the road and the entrance into the property, and I just I want to tell you how much I appreciate your your uh, generosity and, and your giving. Your giving is what makes us be able to, to make such a difference in the kingdom of God. And as a pastor, if I stood up here and told you exactly what God has for this 108 acres and what God wants us to do with that land and, and how God is going to uh, use that for us to make a difference in this next generation, I would be lying. I don't exactly know exactly what God wants to do. I do know that God has called us to, to position us in this, in, in this place to be able to make a difference in this community. And um, it's exciting, though, to walk with God and see what God is going to do. And so thank you so much for your generosity, and thank you for, for praying. Uh, we're going to be updating you in the next couple of months and just continue to share with you some of the things that are happening. And again, we've been able to improve some of the road, and we are also working on the future offices of the church there. So kind of beginning to, to, to settle in and, and to uh, move into this next season. So thank you so much. Um, I do want to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7 today, Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to look at probably the most important teaching that Jesus ever gave. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to look at that today. And I want to ask you to bow your heads and I, I want us to pray for these next few moments. Father, thank you for this opportunity that we all have to be here. And God, we don't take this for granted. Lord, I thank you for this beautiful day that you blessed us with. And God, we are here. And God, we need to hear from you. Father, I pray that this would be um, much greater than just words. But, Father, that you would speak into our lives, and, God, you know exactly where we're at in life. And, God, we pray that your truth would, would uh, so go deep inside of our hearts today. 
Father, we receive your word. And everyone said, amen. You know, in this series called Slaying Giants, we've been talking about a lot of different giants in our life. And a lot of us uh, in our life, uh, through experiences, just through life, life has a way of, of, of um, us walking through different things that a lot of times we face things that become giants in our life. And the first weekend we talked about pain and how so many of us have walked through some deep, deep pain in our life. And if you don't handle that pain correctly in your life, it can become a giant. It can be destructive in your life. And we've talked also about um, offense and how dangerous and, and real, what a killer offense can be in our life. And uh, Pastor Kendall talked about comparison and how if you live your life comparing yourself always to other people, and it will be so destructive to your life. Last weekend, we talked about fear. And again, I think we could keep on talking and, and extend the series for months and months, and we could just do a year-long series. You know, Creekwood's doing the year-long series, Slaying the Giants. There's so many giants in our life. And so it's kind of hard to pick which ones specifically. And we really, you know, prayed through this and really landed on some of these. But all of these have one thing in common. They are things that can keep us from living the life that God has called us to, to live. And God calls all of us to face these different giants in our life and slay them, to not allow those things in the areas of our life that become giants in our life to rule us and to destroy our life. And today we're going to talk about an area in our life that I, I believe can be, become so, so destructive. We're going to talk about judgmentalism. And um, this is not an easy topic to talk about, but I do believe that it is a very, very dangerous, dangerous area in our life. And so we're going to talk about judgmentalism. You know, it's so easy to make judgments about people and be critical. Like, isn't it easy to criticize people? Like, isn't it like... Some people just like, you're like, yeah, it's easy because they're just, they make it easy for me to criticize them. <laughs> and it's just kind of, for, for a lot of us, being judgmental, being critical, it, it's, it's just like entertainment to us. We like to sit around and just kind of rip on people. It's easy to do that. And it, it's, it's, it's comfortable to, to be able to just kind of sit and analyze and make assumptions about people and judge people. And I was thinking about this and how this has been sometimes a struggle in my own life that I've been wrong about people and maybe I've judged somebody in the past and I'm like, you know what, I was totally wrong about them. And this happened to me this last summer. My wife and I were on vacation in Canada and we're just kind of doing, we really didn't know where we were going. We were on a road trip and we knew some places we kind of wanted to stop and no reservations. Most of you would probably kill us if you traveled with us. We just kind of float around and, and we kind of go to a couple different towns. And one of the areas we were wanting to go to, we knew we had to cross over and, on this ferry. And you, it was, it's pretty cool. You drive your car onto this ferry, you park underneath it, and you go up top and you get to sit in this area that it's almost like... Um, you're, you're in an old diner. It was this old ferry, and, and um, you're sitting across like in these booths from people, and, and there's all different types of people, and we were on the, the late night, 10 o'clock, 
uh, ferry, the last ferry to cross over onto this island. And we get on there, and we're sitting there, my wife and I, and we're talking. And the man that sits across from us um, has this dog. And, and I, I started to look at him and kind of glance over at him. And, and again, he was just sitting right in front of us. And I was like, I began to, in my own mind, began to form some judgments in my mind. You know, how many of you, like, are really good at forming judgments about people, like, in your mind that you can just kind of look at people and you're just, like, are you, you enjoy, like, going to the mall and just kind of forming judgments about people? <laughs> like, my grandmother used to call it people watching. You're just kind of sizing people up. You know, you're looking at them and you're going, yeah, that guy, you know, or that, that girl, you know, and you're, um, you, you, some of you are so good at it, you got their story down. You've never met them, never talked to them, but you can size people up pretty fast. And I was forming all these opinions about this man, that, and I was like, you know, man, that guy must be homeless. Because he was dirty looking, his jeans, like his clothes looked dirty, his hair was kind of was standing up, and I was like, either he's been camping or he's homeless. And I kind of felt sorry for his dog. And his dog was by him, and, and it was sitting on the, 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 the seat, and I was like, I wonder where this guy's going and what he's been doing, and man, I bet he lost his job. And I was just thinking about all this kind of stuff, and he's got these flip-flops on, and I'm like, man, it's, you know, like, I bet he gets cold in the winter, and, and all this, like, again, my mind was just racing, and after a while, I was like, you know what, I want to... Like ask him what his dog's name is, so we started talking, and and he told me his dog's name, and and we we were like getting into this conversation, and and then after a while we kind of got into talking about like careers, and 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 I you know I asked him, I said, well, what type of work do you do? And I was expecting him to tell me, well, I'm an employed, and I've been living on the streets and stuff, and he's and he kind of reluctantly told me, he said, I'm a I'm a plastic surgeon. And he told me his name. Again, this man was so humble in talking about it. And we told him where we were going. And he told us, he said, yeah, I live on the backside of the island. And be sure you go back there. And the houses are really pretty. And, and man, the, the minute we got off the boat, I, I was like, babe, look up his name on, on the Internet and see if he was lying. He's got to be lying. He's not a plastic surgeon. He's like one of the top plastic surgeons in Canada. And we drove around where where the houses he told me that he lived, and those are like million-dollar houses. Those weren't just like a million dollars. There were probably five, six million beautiful mansions. And he told us that, you know, he was coming back from camping. And, again, I was so wrong. Have you ever made a, a, a judgment about people and you were completely off? Um, that's what being judgmental does. You know, it's easy. Again, this happens to me a lot, and you've probably done this. You get behind somebody, and they're driving like crazy, and you're like, that moron. And then you find out they go to the church, and they're really good people. <laughs> that, that happens to me a lot. My wife will be next to me, and I'm like, y'all... There's just a lot of crazy people out there. 
And, and, and I'll, I'll like, man, that guy's an idiot. And my wife's like, you watch. They go to the church. Watch when you get up next to them. It's so easy to make assumptions about people. And that's what being judgmental does. It thinks the worst about people without knowing the facts. It kind of writes people off. It vilifies people. Which is why being judgmental is such a relationship killer. See, when I'm immediately judgmental of somebody, somebody's lifestyle, somebody's politics, somebody's morality, somebody's driving skills, when I'm immediately judgmental, it stops me from extending grace or love towards people. And what it does, even further, it eliminates any chance I have to share Christ with them. See, when I'm judgmental with somebody, I can't possibly be loving towards them because I have put them, listen to me, in a category that immediately rejects them. When you're judgmental towards somebody, it immediately puts them in a category that it begins to reject them. And Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, again, one of the most important teachings that Jesus ever gave, he addressed this. And the reason why I felt so strongly to talk about this, this giant in our life is that I believe it, is, it, is, it can be so destructive because it causes you to focus on other people and their faults. And it is so destructive. And Jesus says this in Matthew 7, verse 1. Again, Jesus talks very directly towards about the sin of passing judgment on people. And listen to what he says. It says, do not judge. Everybody say that. Do not judge. Now, a lot of us kind of remember, you probably think of the, in, in the King James Version, thou shalt not judge. People that don't even believe in the Bible know that one. Like if you start to tell them anything about their life, they're like, thou shalt not judge. You need to know your Bible. <laughs> thou shalt not judge. And we're real quick to use that one, Right? It says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then he says this, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now Jesus, again, this is not the most gentle teaching that Jesus ever gave. But he includes this in the Sermon on the Mount for two reasons. One is that he knew we would struggle with this. And two, he knew that it would prevent us from showing love towards people. When you look at the word judge, in fact, the Greek word for judge, it, it is the word krino, which it's where we get the word criticize from. And, but it's much deeper than just criticizing someone's appearance, criticizing someone uh, for their appearance or their job performance. It's actually when you judge somebody, it's when you reject someone, the Greek word for this, is when you reject someone for who they are And you put them in a category that excuses you from showing love towards them. That's what judgmentalism is. Again, 
Jesus says, thou shalt not judge. Don't judge. Does Jesus give us any exceptions on who we should not judge? That we shouldn't judge or that we can judge or we can't judge. He says, don't judge people. And he does not give us any exceptions. There's no loopholes. There's, there's no one that, that you're like, well, they've got weird politics or they're, 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 they're like weird religious beliefs or their sexual orientation, whatever you want to call it. Jesus says, don't judge. This is what got Jesus in trouble. This is what the religious people were so angry at Jesus about. This, in fact, is what got Jesus crucified. Jesus came to the, the world, and he was overflowing with grace and mercy towards people. Jesus came, and he... Uh, you look at what he had this reputation of being a friend of sinners. He ate with sinners. He spent time with them. Jesus was radically inclusive. He was non-judgmental. He offered grace and he offered mercy. And the religious people were, were so angry at this. And Jesus began to address this. And this is why he includes this. Why is this so Dangerous. Why does Jesus do this? And this is where we struggle a little bit because, again, this is where it, why it becomes a giant for a lot of us is that we live in a world right now that is a dangerous place when it comes to this. Because we're living in a culture right now, and listen to me, where, where right and wrong and, and uh, morality and all of that is kind of up in the air. And as Christ followers, it's very easy to start going, well, man, we better mount up because it's us against them. And it's very easy for us to begin to just kind of become people that are just judgmental and we're critical. And anybody that, that uh, has, a, has something different that's, that, again, that, that you don't agree with and they have a lifestyle that you are like, man, those people are crazy. Some of y'all, it's your family members. And it's just easy to be judgmental and critical. Why would Jesus tell us not to judge them? Because when you judge them, it stops you from loving them. And it's easy to just kind of get into this camp of, again, I'm going to overanalyze and criticize all of this. And listen to me, if somebody doesn't know Christ, why are we judging them? For being the way they are, Jesus Christ is the one that changes their life. But what we do is we're, we're hypercritical of them and judgmental of them because we don't like what they're doing. And Jesus addresses this. Now, let me just say this to you because this is, again, where a lot of us start to build up walls. Well, well Pastor, you know what? There's a lot of right and wrong. And listen to me. Jesus, when he's talking about this, he's talking about being hyper-judgmental, hyper-critical of people. He's not talking about you not making wise judgments. You and I need to make wise judgments about life. We need to make wise judgments when it comes to life, when it comes to truth, when it comes to sin. 
Parents, it's your responsibility. It is your calling to teach your kids to make wise judgments. When it comes to life, when it comes to truth, when it comes to sin, teaching them. I know, listen, we live in, in right now in, in our culture where everybody is like, well, don't judge me. And my right is, 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 is what I believe. And, and you don't have any right to tell me what to do and all this kind of stuff. And this is, again, where the battle starts. Listen, we need to know what's right and what's wrong. You need to know to be able to make wise judgments. But when you move beyond making wise judgments to now you're a judgmental, critical person and you're, you're being critical of people that Jesus Christ loves and he came and he died for them. Jesus gave his life for the people that you have given up on that you've sized up wrong, that you've said their lifestyle, their behavior is wrong. This is so destructive. Y'all are being really quiet. I must be hitting a nerve because we get real quiet when we start kind of getting in that area. See, listen to me. We need to be people. And if you're a teacher, a coach, it's your responsibility to teach your kids to make wise judgments, to teach them what's right and what's wrong. If you're a grandparent, a parent, there are moments you need to step up and teach your kids to make wise judgments about what's right and wrong. But don't allow a judgmental, critical spirit to be so destructive in your life. Jesus says, don't judge people. Again, it's, it's, it's dangerous. And it's just, it's, it's sneaky. It, it, get, it just kind of gets in your life. And after a while, again, it, it, it keeps you from being able to love people. So, you know, one of the most freeing thoughts that you can think about today is that it's not your responsibility to change people. That it's God that changes people. Your responsibility is to love people. To care about them. And when you love people and you care about people, God will give you opportunities to show them and to help them make wise judgments about life. But some of us, again, we, we have isolated people. We have written people off. Maybe it's a son. Maybe it's, it's a, a daughter. Maybe it's a brother. Maybe it's somebody in your life that you're really close to or maybe a neighbor that you have sized them up and you've made a critical judgment about their life, and listen to me, don't allow that judgment to stand between you and loving them. you got to slay that, that giant in your life. Again, um, it's dangerous. And uh, just to kind of lighten the mood a little bit, I, I want you to watch this uh, YouTube video that, that some of you probably have seen this video. There's a guy, he's on the phone talking to somebody and he witnesses an accident that actually the guy that was at fault blames these this other these other individuals in this car, and he's totally at fault. And you're going to find out and see how dangerous it is to judge somebody falsely. I'm on my way to 3768. Kind of got hung up. It's raining out here. I'm on my way into Dallas. Uh, Jerry's probably going to be calling you to find out uh, where I'm at if he can't get a hold of me, I'm sure. So I uh, thought, whoa, whoa. Man, I just had a wreck right in front of me. This guy ran a red light and hit uh, hit four old ladies in, a, in an Impala. 
just kind of clipped him and turned him around right in front of me, man. That was close. Oh, now this guy's getting out of his car. He's got a, he's got a white shirt on with a tie and a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. He's throwing his hands up in the air like he, like, like it was their fault. Oh, uh, hold on, hold on. He's going over their window. She's rolling down the window. Oh, man, she, I think she sprayed him with pepper spray, man. He's holding his, he's holding his face and he's on his knee. She's getting out. She's beating him with an umbrella. <laughs> the other women are getting out, too. <laughs> ah, there's one woman with a little black person. She's tomahawking him, man. She looks... She looks like a Sunbelt 20, 20 horsepower jackhammer. Blah, blah, blah. She, we got another woman that's. that's <laughs> she's hitting him like, like he's got a cattle prod, man. She's got, a, she's got an umbrella and she's sticking it in his side. Oh, there's another one that. It's a little woman that looks like Mother Goose. <laughs> she's got. Oh, she beat him. She beat him. She's got this you big bag. <laughs> she's got, oh, she beat him, she beat him, she's got this U-bit bag, it's huge, it's about the size of her, she's about four foot nothing, she hit him over the head, everything went all over the place, her Bible fell, oh, she just hit him in there with a Bible, <laughs> it's dangerous to, lie, to, to judge people, <laughs> Four reasons why being judgmental is so dangerous. Number one, we invite God's judgment on ourselves. Four reasons, again, why being judgmental is so dangerous. When we are judgmental, we invite God's judgment on ourselves. Matthew 7, 2 says, For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Again, this is Jesus addressing this. And in the Sermon on the Mount, he starts to talk about this. And my question to you is this, is how harshly do you want God to judge you for your sins? With what measure or standard do you want God to dole out judgment for your sins or mine? Do we want God to just throw down the gauntlet and show no mercy and forgiveness like many of us do with others? Or do we want him to extend the fullest measure of mercy and grace and forgiveness? I don't know about you, but I want the mercy. And I want the forgiveness. I want the grace. Matthew 5, 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. How merciful are you towards those who struggle with sin? Again, it's... it's very, very dangerous to pass judgment on others because whatever scale we use with judgment or mercy, harshness or kindness, punishment or patience will be the same scale that God will use on us. It's dangerous. Number two, the second reason judgmentalism is dangerous, it's because my own sin clouds my judgment. My own sin clouds my judgment. Uh, I, again, I love this analogy. Uh, Jesus gives this in Matthew 7, 3. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Again, he's using this. It, it's an exaggeration that he uses 
to point out how absurd it is for all of us who are flawed human beings to pick out all the flaws of other people. And he goes on and and he begins to address this in the Sermon on the Mount. And you see this even earlier in chapter 5. He's addressing these religious people that actually have started to believe they're better than other people. And again, this is one of the things that causes us to start judging people is when we start to kind of think we're better than other people. And what happens a lot of times for us as Christ followers is that we start to kind of convince ourselves since we've kind of cleaned up on the outside and we've kind of learned how to, how to live out and, and kind, of li- kind of play the religious Christian life, even though we know on the inside we have struggles and we're not perfect and we have areas of our life, we start to kind of believe, well, I got it kind of together on the outside and I, that's why I have the right to criticize and be judgmental of people that their lifestyle on the outside looks crazy. And Jesus begins to attack this. And then he says this, and listen to how he breaks this down in Matthew 5, 21. He says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Have you ever been angry with somebody? I think we all have. Jesus is saying this. Maybe you haven't done the deed of murder, but if you've been angry at someone, essentially it's the same in God's eyes. Verse 27 and 28, he says this, you've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in her heart. Maybe you haven't done the deed, but if, you're, you've, if you've thought the thought, Jesus says essentially it's the same in God's eyes. Jesus is confronting these people because they, they even though that maybe they haven't done the deed, they start to think they're better than other people. Romans 3.10 says, no one is good, no one in all the world is innocent. Again, this is a a thing we need to remind ourselves that, listen, we're all broken people and give people grace and mercy. And I I, I really believe this becomes so destructive in our life. We kind of start getting hyper-spiritual and and religious and we start to kind of want to just kind of spend our time in entertainment, criticizing and judging people, and Jesus attacks this. Because listen to me, he didn't tolerate it with the religious leaders. And this is why he was so harsh with them. He goes on and he even uses a word, uh, another, the third reason why judgmentalism is so dangerous is it's hypocritical. And nobody likes the word hypocrite. Nobody wants to be called, called a hypocrite. And Jesus uses this ugly word. And the word hypocrite comes from the acting world. And in fact, uh, you think about what a hypocrite is, is. It's an actor. It's a pretender who's portraying a role or a part that is not real. And Jesus, again, used this, this word hypocrite because he's trying to get the point across to people to, to say, stop judging people. 
he uses this, uh, uh, even when you give, he talks about this in verse 2 of chapter 6. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. He talks about it even when it comes to prayer in verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the streets to be seen by others. Verse 16, he goes on and he even talks about when it comes to your fasting. When you fast, do not look sober as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. This is his most severe warning towards people who looked good on the outside, but on the inside, there were things that were wrong in their life. There were things that they've struggled with. And listen to me, it, it's, it's, it's a dangerous slippery slope that you can go down when you start to kind of start convince yourself that you're better than other people. There are people around you that God has put in your life that need to see your brokenness. They need to see that your vulnerability where you can say, you know what, man, I have struggled in that area. That's been an area that I have been broken instead of just stepping back and going. And, and, and sometimes... It's so easy that, man, maybe you don't struggle in a certain area that, that somebody else does, but it's easy to kind of want to just kind of let that be your pet sin that you're going to kick around. Instead of being able to say, you know what, I want to walk in humility. I don't want to walk in a judgmental, hypercritical spirit with people around me. I want to walk in this the way that Jesus did. And Jesus embraced people. Jesus loved people. Jesus cared about people. Dave Roper uh, is a pastor in Idaho, and he wrote this book called The Strength of a Man. And he talked about his own hypocrisy as a pastor and as a man. And I thought it was really interesting, and I wanted to read a a small section of this book to you um, that he wrote about his own hypocrisy. And, And he says, I was fishing one day, and I cast my fly into a willow. It was the last one I had of this pattern. I said a very bad word, and it surprised me. I hadn't used this word in a long time, but I was safe. My wife, Caroline, was fishing 100 yards downstream, and my church was 100 miles away, and the nearest town was 20 miles away. There was no one around to hear me. But then later that evening, I was setting up the trailer, and a piece of equipment wouldn't work right. I was tired and frustrated, so when Caroline tried to be helpful and offer advice, I snapped at her, told her to mind her own business. Again, it surprised me. When Caroline and I talked about it the next morning, I was struck by a penetrating truth that who I am in private is the real me. I had fooled myself into thinking that my public image was the real me, but that was my illusion. The way I behave when no one's around to hear me or see me is the real me. Everything else is a show. What I am in private is what I really am. And my question to you today is, what are you like when nobody's looking? Are you an honest person? Do you tell the truth? Are you you pure in all of your thoughts? What are you watching when nobody's around? What are you listening to? Do you love God? Like I'm talking about, do you love God privately? 
Do you read God's word? I, I know you love God publicly and you're here today, but do you love God privately? Do you read God's word? Do you pray privately? Are you the same in private as you are in, in public? Or is it all a show? See, one of the things that I, I think we've got to remind ourselves of, and it brings me to this last area, and I want to wrap this up today, is that I, I know that it's dangerous because it invites God's judgment on ourselves, and I know that our sin clouds our judgment, and I know, man, when I judge other people, I'm being hypocritical because, listen, all of us, again, Jesus went to such extreme to say, even if you've thought the thoughts, you're still as guilty. But I, I think that it brings me to the greatest reason why it, it, is, it is a giant in our life when we're judgmental and critical is that it eliminates any chance to share Christ with other people. Who in your life has, on the surface looks like, man, there's no hope for that person? Who in your life maybe that God has put is their life is so complicated and such a mess and Maybe you've given them a 50 billion chances that needs you to believe in them because you say, you know what, I know the truth about myself and I know that my God has believed in me. God set us free from being hypercritical, judgmental people and fill us full of love. The Bible tells us in John 13, 35, everyone will know you as my followers, if you demonstrate your love to others. The love of Christ is what helps us reach people. It's what frees us from being judgmental. Would you pray with me today? Just bow your heads. Father, today I thank you for every person here today. God, I pray that you would speak into all of our lives. God, I pray that you would forgive us today for being judgmental and critical of people. Father, give us a fresh love and passion for people. Father, I pray that you would teach us to make wise judgments in life. Show us, God, through your word what's right, what's wrong. But God, may we, may the rhythm of our life be that we are not judgmental people. Father, I thank you for this, God. I pray, Father, over every person here today, God. I thank you for this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more messages and information about Creekwood Church, visit us at creekwoodchurch.com.